Ahoy, mateys, and welcome to another episode of I'm Ready, a SpongePod Squarecast. My name is Captain Eric, and we are continuing our sail through the second season of SpongeBob SquarePants. I, like many of you, probably checked out the game uh, on, on Nickelodeon this past week, the NFL game. It did an impressive number in the ratings, which can only mean that there's going to be more sports coming to Nickelodeon, I can imagine. Um, I don't think it would be wise to then adopt every sport, every live game on Nick. That would take up a lot of time. But um, for for big games, I think it would make a lot of sense. And for even something uh, like the Super Bowl to simulcast that from from a few different networks uh, to give a, a more kid friendly perspective of that game just might help out more people. I've heard so many positive things about that game. Uh, I I enjoyed it. It was a lot of just um, extra silliness on the screen. And of course, there was uh, there was one big word that was a bit of a shock in the middle of the game there for anybody watching live and paying attention. But uh, I, from all counts, it was a success. Now, with the game, we also got our very first look at Camp Coral, SpongeBob's Under Years, which... Uh, a lot of fans out there, very negative on, um, probably not a lot of people wanting to even look at a sneak peek. But I think there was a good amount of us that, uh, even if you were cynical about it, um, you wanted to check it out just to see, you know, what are we dealing with here? Um, and from the clip they showed, there were some positives and some negatives to take away from it. Um, aesthetically, there's something pleasing about the CG characters, but at the same time, it doesn't feel 100% its final form. Like, if you gave this this show another six months of development, would would the would the look of it come out a little bit better? Um, but the the humor and the writing was was kind of spot on for SpongeBob, uh, which which should be the case since this isn't just a, a whole new crew taking over for this show. There, there are going to be some crossover. There are people probably working on both shows, so there's going to be um, a, a bit of symmetry there. But I I liked that they didn't go in the direction that these with the kid versions. I know that they were going to have the same voice actors, but I was dreading kind of a, a Muppet Babies feel as much as I liked Muppet Babies as a kid, but I, I didn't want to just a dumbed down version of SpongeBob. Um, it gave us a lot of the same beats with the same characters that you would expect. I, I it, Look, as a Paramount Plus exclusive, they're going to need content to build up a, a, a fan base to go on that streaming network. They're entering a very massive ocean of streaming networks. Um, you have Netflix, you have Hulu, Disney Plus, HBO Max. Um, Paramount Plus is going to have to have new content to tell people, hey, you should at least invest in our platform just as much as the other ones, or at least have us as a part of your selection. So as an exclusive on that network, I'm a little bit less anxious about it, angry about it. Like, okay, they need to have content for that network. I get it. And a SpongeBob spinoff makes sense. So we'll see how it goes. I, I'm I'm going to give it a shot when it comes out. I, I Still the sneak peek, though. I, I We've been told that what we were seeing was not finished. So that's also good, too. I forgot somebody who works on the show came out and mentioned that that it wasn't, you know, going to be finished work. So we'll, we'll see how it looks on, on Paramount+. Plus. But uh, before we get into Bubble Buddy today, let us look back into the past in this week in Nickelodeon history. Nick, 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 Nickelodeon. 
Nick, 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 Twenty-five years ago this week, on January 14th, 1996, we had the final episode of Global Guts, which itself was the final season of Nickelodeon Guts. Uh, Nickelodeon Guts, out of all of the big game shows I grew up with as a kid, it was my least favorite. But even, even having it as my least favorite, I still am nostalgic with the aggro crag. Like, having one of those aggro crag trophies is still like a lifelong dream of mine along with having uh, a kids choice award blimp uh so so even though i don't have a, a lot of fond memories of of specifically watching the show that the end aggro crag part is always fantastic like that was always so fun to watch everything that came before that i have like no memory of watching there there is some dispute though as I was looking up the, the final air date of this episode, uh, it seems that Global Guts being the last uh, season went international. They they included um, more competitors from various countries other than the United States. So they had Mexico, the United Kingdom, Israel, Germany, Spain, Portugal, and the Commonwealth of Independent States, uh, simply referred to as CIS on air. That includes uh, Georgia, Kazakhstan, Russia, and Ukraine. Uh, although the countries had uh, multiple contestants, no country was ever represented twice in a single episode, uh, except for the Special Olympic Special, where it had two U.S. players. Each country had its own team of broadcasters. O'Malley retained the role for the U.S. broadcast. The format of the show remained identical to Nickelodeon Guts as it was, uh, except the Mega Crag, which I guess it was called at the end of Season 4, was upgraded to the Super Agro Crag, which just is going to be a bigger version of it. I, I have zero memory of Global Guts uh, airing at the time. And uh, the reason that there's some sort of dispute is that taping for the special took place between July 12th, 1995 and August 15th of 1995, and that episodes began airing on September 5th, 1995. Um, but the only uh, information that I can find of that final episode is saying that it aired January 14th, 1996. Um, but then there's other publications that are saying that Global Guts ended on December 10th, 1995. So I have no idea. Like, there's there's... Some publications saying one thing, some others saying another. Either way, in this last month last month or so, it's been 25 years since the uh, final episode of Nickelodeon Guts, with the last season being Global Guts. 17 years ago this week, on January 11th, 2004, Drake and Josh premiered on Nickelodeon. Uh, Drake and Josh is one of the biggest sitcoms that Nickelodeon has ever had on the air. Um, it is my personal favorite Nickelodeon sitcom to ever have aired on the channel. And in my opinion, I think it is just the best one. Uh, second to that being Keenan and Kel, which you could argue for that top spot because it came earlier and really set the standard. But Drake and Josh it has staying power. It has remained popular all these years later when it's been off the air for, for such a long time. Um, it, it, to me... Drake and Josh has the staying power from where it came from in the 2000s as to Full House did where it came from in the 90s, which is crazy because uh, both Josh Peck and uh, John Stamos 
were uh, were on that grant. Was it grandfathered? Grandfather? They were on some show together, and they were you know making a bunch of uh, vines with with each other at the time online. But uh, but yeah, like Drake and Josh is that that sitcom that I could point to in the two thousands and say, um, if you want to perfectly encapsulate and and show uh, the two thousands through a lens, go watch Drake and Josh. Um, others would probably want a wider spectrum to show off how our world was at the time, but um, for for sitcom's sake, that that's got to be up there. Um, it, it's still like Drake and Josh is still being mentioned, still being talked about in 2021. Uh, it's still a part of so many memes online. It's still in everybody's consciousness. Uh, Dr- Josh Peck constantly has Drake Bell on his YouTube channel. There was that whole. There was that whole debacle over their friendship a few years ago. The internet lost its collective mind when they thought that uh, Josh and, Dr- and Drake weren't friends anymore. Um, Josh didn't invite Drake to his wedding, and Drake was upset about that and was public about it. And and the internet lost its mind. And then there was that moment where they they finally embraced and hugged, and it was just such a feel good moment. And you grow up watching these people on television and think they're the best of friends. And you know what? At the end of the day, look at Keenan and Kel. You lose each other for for a, such a long amount of time, but then when you come back into each other's lives, you're more than friends. We watch the show and think, oh, they're the best of friends, but they're family. They're brothers. And, and a brother is someone that you could lose touch with for like five or ten years and come back. It's like your best of friends, so... That's why we love it. I mean, there were so Drake and Josh had so much chemistry on that show. It was absolutely ridiculous. But uh, before we get to Drake and Josh, we we have to start um, with Dan Schneider. I <laughs> Dan Schneider is definitely a uh, a talking point. Um, I don't want to get into any of the negativity of Dan Schneider, although there are some very creepy allegations about the guy. But the man was behind of of a massive cornerstone of children's television for for decades, um, all the way from all that, continuing up to Henry Danger, which was a massive success for Nickelodeon even after he left the show. So the the journey of Drake and Josh really starts with all that. Where it being a variety show, you have so many different actors come through, uh, both male and female, who become so popular with the audience that they they take these actors and they eventually, once you kind of grow out of all that, you take on your own show. It's what happened with Keenan and Kel. They got their own show off of all that, as did Amanda Bynes. Amanda Bynes was a very popular cast member of all that, probably the most famous female cast member that the show has ever had but kudos to amanda Bynes, who even beyond nickelodeon had such an amazing career for herself um it made sense at the time for her to get her own show because she was just that popular there was no denying it uh, so the amanda show was born and that started in 1999 october 16th 1999 um and was was mainly a a smaller version of all that the the sketches were not as big 
They a lot of them were even just single characters talking to the camera. There was an overarching story of the show with Amanda Bynes playing her number one fan, Penelope Taint, constantly chasing after Amanda to to finally meet her hero. And of course, always coming up empty handed. But just like all that, The Amanda Show gave us two cast members who very clearly, very obviously had chemistry with each other, Drake Bell and Josh Peck, just like Keenan and Kel and all that, where it was just uh, you you could not avoid how much chemistry the two actors had with each other. Drake and Josh were exactly the same way through The Amanda Show. The Amanda Show unfortunately ended in 2002, and pretty much right away, you could see the writing on the wall if you were Dan Schneider. You take these two actors with incredible chemistry, and you design a sitcom surrounding them. Instead of just having two best friends, you have unlikely stepbrothers. You have uh, Drake playing Drake Parker. Um, you have Josh playing Josh Nichols and their parents played by Nancy Sullivan, who is also from The Amanda Show. She should get some credit here as well. Um, and Jonathan Goldstein playing Walter Nichols. Joining the cast was also Miranda Cosgrove playing Megan Parker, Drake's sister and Josh's stepsister. Uh, two families coming together in California in this beautiful home. And I know it recently went up for sale, but uh, kudos to whoever owns the Drake and Josh exterior house. Uh, of course, the, the insides are all sets and that house doesn't look like it does on the show, but... Uh, someone could dream of of having Drake and Josh's bedroom on top of the garage. There are many reasons you can point to as to why this has stayed in our subconsciousness for so long. But I think the thing I always liked about Drake and Josh is is beyond the chemistry of the cast, because it just seemed that whoever the casting directors were for these shows were, were definitely finding the right people for the characters and everything just meshed perfectly but for as silly as it would get with characters like Crazy Steve, it would it would also feel very grounded and have real serious moments um, as serious as you could get on Nickelodeon. Let's let's be honest here. Um, certain sitcoms could could go in certain directions. And of course, Drake and Josh never got too, too heavy with its content, but the characters felt real. They had moments where they really enjoyed each other's company. They had moments where they didn't want to be in the same room. They had moments where they were forced to figure out their way out of a problem and, and in some cases needing to overcome certain personal obstacles. Uh, it, it was well written. It was well acted. And it's a show that uh, even after it ended, people wanted more. The show had multiple television movies, um, most notably also... Uh, an acknowledgement from last week, Drake, Drake and Josh Go to Hollywood is 15 years old. It uh, debuted on January 6th, 2004. Uh, and and even when Merry Christmas, Drake and Josh came out, I was like, this is great. They're going to keep making movies for the show. And I'm kind of disappointed that we uh, we haven't had more Drake and Josh. It, it's a show that just like Full House could be revived in a similar way. Uh, as I said, Drake and Josh, to me, is like the 2000s full house. Uh, not as corny, but lovable in the exact same way that uh, that you can you can remember. Um, I'm just imagining, like, can you imagine Josh owning that house, uh, him unfortunately losing his wife, having his kids, and his stepbrother moves in to, to help him take care of his kids? It, it's incredibly formulaic. It's, you know, it's very much like Full House and even Fuller House, but 
that's the perfect way to get family together is is helping each other out. Um, and look, the writers for Drake and Josh, I think, would be able to take that and spin it in ways that keep it fresh and make it fun. And imagine if uh, Mindy is the teacher of the school now or the principal and, and still has to run in with Josh. Maybe they broke up at some point. Um and, and Helen, not working at the, the movie theater anymore, maybe is the mayor of the town or the governor or even the district manager of the movie theater. So that Josh, who I would imagine is the full on manager at this point, would still interact with Helen in some way. And uh, you can still involve crazy Steve and you can still involve Megan, who possibly moves back in as well to help out her uh, her brother. I, I think Drake and Josh could absolutely come back for a revival and if paramount is is even i mean they're already bringing back iCarly for paramount plus i mean why not get a twofer you have miranda cosgrove under contract uh throw another option at her for drake and josh and bring them back that show absolutely could be brought back right now and and would still have the same staying power that it did in the early 2000s but uh and i guess is it's not out of the cards i mean back in 2019 i know drake was uh, mentioning that they were both kind of pitching this idea of a of an adult Drake and Josh getting back together and and some of their shenanigans that throw money at these guys that would be a massive deal uh, if if any of these networks are listening who are in connection with Viacom Drake and Josh is where the money's at four years ago we had the debut of Butch Hartman's fourth cartoon Bunsen is a Beast which debuted on January sixteenth twenty seventeen. This is definitely the low point of Butch Hartman and Nickelodeon. Um, and I, I will say this. I have not watched Bunsen and is a Beast. I've seen clips online. I, of course, seen a, a few clips of the Fairly Odd Parents crossover episode. There was a big deal put into this show uh, going going so far as to create an original a uh, little short movie online of of Danny Phantom combining with Tough Puppy and the Fairly Odd Parents finally meeting Bunsen as a beast. There was a big deal put into this show, and I, for me, it, it was the animation. It was the very cheap computer animation that the Fairly Odd Parents ended up getting sucked into in its final season. It just came off. So ugly. And you can tell that effort was put into it, but there's just something about it. It's more of the movements. Like, still images look great. Like, if you were to pause any episode of Bunsen is a Beast, it looks great. But the the way the mouths move, the way that the characters move, it that's what just makes it look bad to me. Um, but what I was trying to say is, no matter how bad people might think the show is, I think... There is still good in the worst of Butch Hartman as far as um, uh, his creations go. Uh, I, I don't want to. Ha- I don't have any comment as far as any of his other ventures outside of what he's produced on Nickelodeon. Um, I one day I'll watch Bunsen as a Beast. I'll eventually get there uh, and I'll stop watching reruns of of Doug Rocket Power and Hey Arnold. It was just a, a shame to see such a revered creator kind of go out with a fizzle because the show just kind of came and and went it was like it was done for him he you could almost tell in some ways that this was a swan song effort um and and yeah there was just i don't know there was something about it other than the movements that just kind of rubbed me the wrong way but uh, i'm glad it existed i'm glad butch hartman got to create 
so many characters. I, I, there's got to be fans for this show out there. If you're a fan of it, I, I'm glad it exists for you. Uh, and, and one day I'll check it out. Three years ago this week on Nickelodeon, The Adventures of Kid Danger premiered on January 15th, 2018. The Adventures of Kid Danger is an animated spinoff of Henry Danger in which it's the exact same show. Um, it, I don't want to... <laughs> I don't want to say exact same in terms of like it's it's the exact the writing and and but it's basically the same plot the plot of uh the the team of Captain Man and his sidekick Kid Danger protecting the city of Swellview. Uh that's that's the show of Henry Danger. Of course, both shows are more about the the sidekick. He's kind of the main star and everyone else is secondary to him. Um it's just like more of the same, but animated. I think it was smart to do, but they were doing it while Henry Danger was still on the air. It's kind of like it's kind of like the SpongeBob thing. Like the reason right now Camp Coral is getting a pass is that it's a Paramount Plus exclusive. Uh, I heard it'll eventually air on Nickelodeon, but um, the, the fact that y you can kind of have this separation of SpongeBob on TV and Camp Coral on TV for at least uh, a little while. It, they should have held this show off until either put it on a streaming service at the same time as Henry Danger is on television or just waited until Henry Danger ended to then do a cartoon. But I thought it was so weird to just have a cartoon out of nowhere at the same time that your main show is still going on. It's double dipping for no reason. Uh, so it just kind of came and went. There was one season, 12 episodes. They aired those episodes up until June 14th and that was done. That went the adventures of kid danger. Um, the, the animation of course was definitely not as good. And I know we were just talking about Bunsen is a beast, but it was even a little worse than Bunsen is a beast, but you could, I, I don't know. There was a reason it was getting a pass for me in the animation department. I don't know. I don't even have that answer right now. So, yeah, it, it was just ugly. And I, I think they just they could have had potential in that character of Kid Danger. There was at one point Paramount was in, was wanting to make a Henry Danger movie in theaters. There there was staying power with that character and he lasted a long time on television. I don't know why they felt the need to make a cartoon right away. They could have held that off make it something really cool with a, a different animation style, uh, maybe something like an anime. Like, I, I, I don't know. They're, they could have done something else. But, uh, but yeah, this that was this week in Nickelodeon history. Before we get into the episode of Bubble Buddy today, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with the episode. Magic Conj, will I ever get to meet Tom Kenny? Maybe someday. Oh, so you're saying there's a chance. Okay, okay. Should I tell fans of the show how they can support us? Yes. Goofy Goobers, supporting the show is shockingly easier than catching a blue jellyfish. Right from our Anchor page, anchor.fm slash spongepod, you can find links to all of our social media and a support button if you happen to have a few extra clams. Also follow us on twitch.tv slash spongebobpodcast, where it's not only the official home to our sister show, Video Bob Game Pants, it's also where I stream live drawings of various Nickelodeon characters and host the opportunity for commissions and giveaways. Lastly, the official merchandise store is now open at redbubble.com slash people slash spongepod, where various designs will be uploaded in 
inspired by our show, including our official logo, which is now available on a multitude of products like t-shirts, stickers, duvet covers, and even a shower curtain. This is a podcast by a fan for fans and will always be fan-driven. Any way you see fit on supporting our show is much appreciated. Thank you and enjoy. 2,000 years later. All right, welcome back. And if you are joining us and you'd like to follow along, you can watch the episode Bubble Buddy and start it right now. Uh, First things to mention about the beginning of this episode that I found interesting. Uh, The little theme song here, the music heard during the title card, um, was actually the theme music for the Nicktoons Summer Beach House, which was a uh, network block through the summers of 2002 and 2003. I, I remember the uh, the Nicktoons Summer Beach House fairly well. Uh, it was one of my favorite times watching Nickelodeon. Uh, and of course, we start the episode with literally top three favorite SpongeBob jokes of all time. The, the whole obsession with Leif Erikson Day. Uh, I don't think... There has been a time uh, which Leif Erikson Day is an actual holiday, uh, which is celebrated on October 9th. And I don't think there has been, once I learned that information, I don't think there has been an October 9th that uh, I don't wish somebody a, uh, a Leif Erikson Day. Happy Leif Erikson Day. So canonically, this episode takes place on October 9th. Uh, I think of 2000, I'm going to say 2000 because this episode of Bubble Buddy uh aired all the way in February 3rd, 2001. So I'm going to think that this was finished right before it aired. So technically it's it's of the year 2000. I'm going to go with that. I'm going to stick with it. Uh, another thing to mention in the beginning here, because we went on about the music for so long, is that Chuck Klein, the uh, storyboard artist, his name was misspelled in the beginning of this episode. His last name is Kel- K-L-E-I-N. And in the beginning of this episode, it is spelled K-L-I-E-N which is uh, pretty hilarious. I I love the idea of Bubble Buddy. I love the idea that SpongeBob not being able to hang out with anybody is forced to create his own friend. It's it's the it's the genuine joy of SpongeBob. It's his good-hearted nature to uh to be able to find enjoyment in the most meaningless objects. It, it follows the same trend we've seen with episodes like reef blower and like the paper uh where where spongebob can can find just genuine pleasure in in the smallest item he can have or if he has to create something on his own so he creates bubble buddy here who uh no spoiler warning apparently has his own personality (laughs) and uh and everything spongebob is doing is just being a good friend um i i love mr krabs and and this this is a businessman this is a business guy who knows uh, you, you should want to kick anybody out of your business. You you want to just put on a fake smile for absolutely everybody because the whole point is to take their money. <laughs> and Mr. Krabs understands that. Uh, one of the things here is a, is a quarter ouncer double pounder, uh, which is hilarious because it's obviously referencing a double quarter pounder with McDonald's, but uh, a double a quarter ounce or double pounder. I don't know if that's really big or really small, <laughs> but uh, uh, I, I'm surprised with Bubble Bass being in town that uh, that he has never came in and just ordered one thing, uh, one of everything on the menu. Um, I, I, you feel like he would definitely eat a lot in the Krusty Krab. So why not? Why not order one of everything on the menu? I guess Bubble Buddy is the first. 
<laughs> this whole thing, this whole idea of Squidward being upset that he had to give Bubble Buddy excellent service, it's... <laughs> okay, Mr. Krabs, I completely forgot that that happened. Mr. Krabs, what a good businessman again, willing to, to chew up food and personally, like, mama bird it to an old woman is incredible. Look at that guy. And and, and he probably, if he's smart, is charging her an arm and a leg to for that kind of service. Like, yeah, I'll pre-chew your food and spit it out on a plate, but the burger is going to be $500. And she's like, all right. <laughs> she's a rich old lady. Uh I, I love the whole idea that, that Bubble Buddy is lactose intolerant. Like, in the time before they got to the Krusty Krab, or even while they're there, is he just whispering over to SpongeBob, like, hey, hey, buddy, hey, I'm I'm lactose intolerant. You can't order any cheese for me. <laughs> uh, but this is, we've seen, what's weird, we've seen Squidward in the, in the kitchen a few times. Apparently he's, okay today at uh serving Krabby Patties, but in other times we've seen him in the in the grill and he's terrible at it. Uh I I don't know what's what's up with that. Or maybe Mr. Krabs was the one making it, uh, because we've seen his his skills there. And I've and I've fetched that theory that Mr. Krabs is uh definitely had to fill in uh, days as the fry cook bef even before SpongeBob was there when that help wanted sign was up. Um <laughs> you 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 think that uh, Squidward would have been more upset at seeing the bubbles first than just holding back his anger until showing Mr. Krabs. Uh, they both got angry at the same time. And of course, out of anybody in this episode, the one that least has any reason to be upset is, uh, is Squidward. Now, here's a character that when people talk about the continuity of SpongeBob SquarePants, I point to this episode and I say, what continuity? Of SpongeBob SquarePants, uh, because you've been hearing that a lot these days with Sandy being in the Camp Coral cast and, of course, even being in the cast of uh, the movie version of Camp Coral. It didn't match up with continuity. Um, well, I there have been kids that I met in elementary school that were only in my life a short amount of time that I don't even remember at all. I couldn't even give you names. They're just vague memories in my head. Uh, so what I'm saying is Camp Coral could happen. If if Sandy wasn't at the camp that long or just over one summer and then come back to the to the seafloor when she's an adult, it's certainly possible. But what's impossible is the fact that we just we're going to watch Scooter die and then he's just back to normal after this episode, uh, which is totally fine. It's a cartoon, guys. It's the continuity in, in shows like this are, should not be taken seriously. Um for a while, I always thought, like, even as a kid, I thought... I always knew Squidward's reasoning for being upset was kind of BS. I kind of used to think Pearl's reasoning was a bit BS, but then I grew up and just thought, like, hey, don't don't force, you know, cleaning someone's hand. Like, a little rude. It's at least a little rude. I don't think she should have to cry over it. Uh, but all of these people have absolutely every reason to be upset I don't think I could wait that long. Like kudos to them for for waiting that long for a porta potty. I would have certainly left by then and found a, a new place to use the bathroom. But uh per, like they all deserve a medal and they all have every reason to be upset. 
Uh, Mr. Krabs does have reasons to be upset. I mean, there all that food was seemingly eaten, so SpongeBob should pay for that food. Uh, <laughs> but this whole blaming him for, for all the other stuff. Could you imagine if the guy just said, like, yeah, he did, and everyone just believed him, and they got even more more mad at Bubble Buddy? But this is a, there's this very sweet moment uh, at the end. <laughs> of course, knock over the lifeguard stand. Poor lifeguards. They don't get enough credit. Um, but I... I, I th- oh, I completely forgot that Squidward drums it up. Squidward is very... And this one makes it worse with Squidward because... He he's the one who then directs the needles towards Bubble Buddy, but he has one of the least amount of reasons to be upset. Now he should be annoyed because he did have to serve someone and not get paid a tip. He basically got stiffed, but he's still getting paid by Mr. Krabs for working. And unfortunately, that does happens to waiters out there in the world, waitresses who probably some of you listening know of a friend or have experienced a time where you were a waitress. They were a waitress, waiter, and they got stiffed on a tip. Like, there was a $100 bill, and they didn't pay anything. Like, that sucks. That really does suck. That's annoying. So Squidward's have every right to be annoyed, but to take out such uh, an anger like that to, like, drum up the rest of the crowd, but <laughs> it just seems really silly. But uh, but Bubble Buddy definitely not helping in the, uh, in the escape department, which... It seems just very weird. I know it's a joke and it, it it's a good joke, but I the whole idea that he was he was real like he really should have expressed that way ahead of this time. <laughs> like even coming out of the porta potty, if he really needed like 2 hours to be in the bathroom, the least he could have done is when SpongeBob opened or when the guy opened the door for him to be like, "Whoa, everybody, I'm just using the bathroom." <laughs> Boo boo keys, snake eyes, everybody with their with the, the muffler and their coral. <laughs> Everybody's still angry. Well, of course, I mean, most of them at this point, even if I felt like my time was wasted, I, I would just want I would want more than anything to just move on with my day. I don't think if somebody held me up in a in a big line, I would I would get that upset that I would want to. I would want to attack somebody or be a part or be a part of a mob, but I I always love that it's a bubble taxi that picks him up and then just floats off. Where did it come from? Where is he going? And I adore the fact that he wishes SpongeBob a happy Leaf Erickson day, like it's just so good. And I love that after that everybody then accepts everything, seemingly in, including Mr. Krabs, who still. Gave SpongeBob a bunch of free food, which was one of everything on the menu, and it was a lot of money. So <laughs> the fact that Squidward then goes on to to want to talk to sentient bubbles, like, oh man, every every bubble is alive right now. But but that that is Bubble Buddy. What just one of the best SpongeBob episodes. One of those episodes I absolutely would point to somebody and say, Oh, do you want to watch SpongeBob? This this is something that you should watch. I think you would enjoy this. Um, it, it's it's definitely one of just those top ten SpongeBob episodes. And even if it's not in your top ten, you'd have to admit it's got to be in the top half of your list, or at least in the in the top third. I would imagine everybody would have to have to agree with that. 
uh, especially with something like Leif Erikson Day. Go on social media on any October 9th and tell me that it's just not riddled with with SpongeBob references everywhere. Uh, it, it it's it's crazy how much that this episode has resonated in our popular culture. Uh, but before we go today, we got to look into our snail mail bag. Mail time. Mail time. Mail time. Mail time. Mail time. First off, I want to thank each and every one of you who has written into the show. Um, I was, of course, worried that I wasn't going to be able to get enough that would that would last all these episodes. But uh, I've been able to, to secure a nice pile of emails that uh, will hopefully last for a little bit. So if you have your own questions or comments or anything you'd like me to read on the show, you can write in at snailmail at euphonics.com, U-F-O-N-Y-X.com. That's the email address. Um, so we have Kendall from Little Rock who wrote in. Uh, hello, I've recently started listening to your show, and I've noticed that you've made more than a few references to regular show. I'm a massive fan myself and would even like to make a podcast like yours on regular show. What are your thoughts on the final season and ending? Well, thank you, Kendall. Um, I I am a big fan of regular show uh, and, and have been since the very first episode. Um, I absolutely uh, adore it. It's final season. Uh, for me wasn't as good as previous seasons because of the whole in space concept. Uh, I've never been a fan of that. And especially since it just sticks out like a sore thumb standing next to the rest of the series, it's final episode is, is one of its best. Um, it, it builds a very big climax. It properly goes through the steps to build to this moment that they knew were, were going to happen probably at the final episode. And, and I think they built, built to it well over the series uh, of, of space episodes and, and even referencing things previously in the show. Um, and, and that final episode and those final even 10 minutes are very, very emotional. If you're a fan of that show, uh, I, I cried when pops sacrificed himself because I'm a sucker for characters I care about sacrificing themselves. If, if you want me to cry watching a movie or a TV show, when a character does a noble act like that, it'll usually bring me to tears. So Pop sacrificed himself for the world and everybody came back from space and, and beautifully to David Bowie's We Can Be Heroes, which he had recently passed. So that was kind of sad. And um, seeing the characters move on with their lives to watch them grow, to, to see what they would become, to see their families, and to then see them together back at the park. Uh, it, it, it was really emotional. Uh, so I absolutely loved the ending. I was not the biggest fan of, uh, of the space concept, but it, it built to an absolutely wonderful ending that uh, I, I wouldn't want replaced. So um, and hey, as far as your podcast goes, I, I think everybody out there, just like Kevin Smith says, everybody out there should make a podcast. If you are into something, if you want to talk to friends, if you enjoy the conversations you have with your family, the conversations you have with your friends, the uh, you're just really into something like I am with SpongeBob, make a podcast. It, it is so inexpensive and it's so cool to do. Uh, it, it's interesting. And don't don't worry about your don't worry about what you're putting out as much. Just make sure that as you're putting more out, 
you're you're learning and you're getting better with time. That's 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 all I can say. That's how every podcaster has they're going through the same hoop. So uh, if you love regular show that much and you want to make a podcast about regular show, I applaud you. If you're out there and you want to make a podcast about SpongeBob, I don't want to be the only uh, podcast about SpongeBob in the world. The more SpongeBob podcasts there are, the the more our community grows. So. Uh, everybody listening, find something you're into, find the people that you like talking to, make a podcast and get it out in the world, show what you can do. Uh, but that is this week for the, uh, the square cast. Thank you for everybody who listens to this show. You can follow us on a plethora of social medias. Uh, there is more uh, content coming out through YouTube and Facebook. If you're already a fan of ours on those uh, platforms, I have an unboxing video of last spring's Nick Box, and I'll be releasing unboxings of both the fall and winter 2020 boxes, but as well as the bikini bottom box, which had its first one drop, and it is so incredible of what they gave us. So pay attention to those on YouTube and Facebook, and thank you for being a part of the Ready Crew. We'll see you next time. Magic Conj, will I ever get to meet Tom Kenny? Maybe someday. Oh, so you're saying there's a chance. Okay, okay. Should I tell fans of the show how they can support us? Yes. Goofy Goobers, supporting the show is shockingly easier than catching a blue jellyfish. Right from our Anchor page, anchor.fm slash spongepod, you can find links to all of our social media and a support button if you happen to have a few extra clams. Also follow us on twitch.tv slash spongebobpodcast, where it's not only the official home to our sister show, Video Bob Game Pants, it's also where I stream live drawings of various Nickelodeon characters and host the opportunity for commissions and giveaways. Lastly, the official merchandise store is now open at redbubble.com slash people slash spongepod, where various designs will be uploaded in Inspired by our show, including our official logo, which is now available on a multitude of products like t-shirts, stickers, duvet covers, and even a shower curtain. This is a podcast by a fan for fans and will always be fan-driven. Any way you see fit on supporting our show is much appreciated. Thank you and enjoy.